The deacons asked me if I would take the opportunity this Sunday to clarify things that have been going on in the church, and so that's uh, partially of why I'm doing this, but, but mostly because the Lord, I believe, would have me to do this, to clarify things. Now, last week, as things uh, played out in the church, uh, uh, there was a lot of confusion how the service ended last week, and so I'd like to take the opportunity so that there's no misunderstanding, um, and that if there is disagreement, there just is disagreement, but not because there's misunderstanding. And then I want to portray for you uh, biblically where this comes from, so that you would know that my heart before Jesus is clear, and so that you would also take it to the Lord and put it before him. And so I'd ask if you would pray with me at this time, that the Lord would direct my heart, my lips, my mouth, to only speak what he's ordained this morning. So let's pray. Father, we're grateful for what you've done for us. Lord, we are left in our sin to just die. Die a death that's not just in this flesh, but one that's eternal. We're grateful that you had a great plan, one full of love and grace. One that demands, Lord, that we repent so that you could be our everything. And Lord, we're grateful that you continue to lead and direct us, that you've given us your word and your spirit. Lord, that we might be directed into the full counsel of your will. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to lead and guide us. I pray that you would control my heart, my mind, my lips as I speak, that I'd only say what you've ordained. We pray that your scriptures would teach us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So the background of the events happened. We had revival a week and a half ago on the Wednesday night. Joe Brown, pastor from Banner Advent Christian Church, was giving a charge to evangelize. And as he gave that charge to us and he, he grilled us, I was, I was hit hard. I was hit hard to go share the gospel. And as I came up at the end, the Lord laid on my heart to share a challenge before the church. And the challenge went like this. The challenge was to go share the gospel with one person, one time. Uh, not to just do nice things. This church is great at, at being nice. We're really good at that. But to go share about Jesus somehow, the message of the good news. That's what we were challenged with by Joe. And it was leading into a challenge to go share it one time. And that we wouldn't come back to this place. We wouldn't come back to... Uh, a service or a Sunday school or a potluck until we had done that. Now, the final thing was this. It was voluntary. It wasn't for everybody. It wasn't a blanket statement that said, don't y'all come back until you do this. It was if you stayed standing, if you committed to this challenge, then then go to it. And so that was the challenge that was given. And I got to tell you, for me personally, I was I was pricked in the heart to go do it. I mean, it, it caused me in all the conversations I had the rest of the week to be mindful. Is the Lord leading me to this person to share the gospel? Because that's the command he's given me, whether I've taken a challenge or not. And it, it stirred me up in that again, as the Lord had said in the commands in Hebrews chapter 10, consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And in the challenge, it had happened to me. God stirred that up in me. And I'd heard from others that week who had taken the challenge, who had stirred it up. And then I loved hearing the stories about how the gospel was going out and people were hearing about Jesus and how their faith as they were sharing was growing. And so through the week, I had been preparing to preach Colossians 
that's what we were going through. And on, on Sunday morning, the Lord woke me up and said, you're going to preach on evangelism again. You're going to preach Philip. And you're going to preach how the Lord led him to go evangelize. And so I got up on Sunday morning last week and I preached about evangelism that the Lord has called us to go. We have evidence of that in Acts. We're called to go and to, and to go preach the word. Amen. And as that happened, we closed in prayer and, and the events played out as they did. And there was confusion in the place. And, and in all that, I finally found out that a lot of people had issue with what I said. But I was thankful that one man had courage. One man in this church had courage to come talk to me. And I love that man. And and in that conversation with that individual, there was disagreement. But I love him and he told me he loves me. And we've continued talking and I'm thankful for that. This this begs a conversation. I know that. And I'm not afraid of that conversation, but it's been a good week for me to put this before the Lord and say, Lord, where is my heart? Was was that right? What do I do? And I stand before you this morning, clear before the Lord, as I've as clear as I've ever stood before you for any sermon. To say that I'm clear before the Lord. With what I had done. Because in. What I had done was nothing that God had not already done for his people. What we find in Scripture is that when people aren't in the place that they're supposed to be or doing what they're supposed to be, God has no qualms about pushing them out from a certain place or from a certain area. So we have that right from the very beginning as God has created this paradise, a sanctuary for Adam and Eve, his first people to be in community with him and they sin against him. And he tells them, if you do this, you'll die. Well, they did it. And not only then did sin enter him and they were going to die, he forced them out of the sanctuary. Not because forever he wanted them to be lost and be tragic, but because outside of that place, he was then going to enter in as Jesus Christ. He had a plan to win them back. And so just being pushed out of that place doesn't say that God doesn't want you. But he allows us to be pressed sometimes in order to get us to the place that we're supposed to be. So that started with Adam and Eve, but we find throughout the life of the people of God, as you go into the life of the people of Israel, they had a tabernacle, a tent that they had. And later on, there was a temple that was built right in Jerusalem. And we find that as they had that temple, that they would gather, they'd come year after year, several times a year into that temple. They'd have sacrifices. They'd have all their stuff and they could come together as much as they want. But what was wrong was as much as they were in a building doing ceremony, that they were often in sin because their hearts weren't with God. They weren't obeying him. And so God had no issue with taking them in that place and getting rid of the place and forcing them into obedience. And what I mean by obedience isn't a lot of check off, but forcing them back into relationship with him because it's all about God. It's all about him. And so one of those instances that that happens is in the book of Daniel. It says clearly in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So 
Jerusalem and Judea had been in sin. They'd been in idolatry. And the scripture says that God gave them into the hands of the enemy. And that enemy, Nebuchadnezzar, came in and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple and forced the people out and took them and put them into a foreign land. Why? Because he hated them. He just wanted them to be lost. No. God's love is for his people. God's love is for people to hear the good news about how ever since the beginning, he has been going after us to save us. And he's willing to put us into a different place in order to pursue people for the sake of life, to give people himself. And so Jerusalem's destroyed and we wouldn't have stories like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace if they hadn't been sent away from Jerusalem. We wouldn't have Daniel in the lion's den if they had been kept in Jerusalem. He said, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. I'm going to send you on your way. So he destroyed the place where they could meet so they could be the people that they were meant to be. And that's the difference. And so what we have is something that's even more miraculous than that, because we see that happening with God and his people. But what I love is that there is never a time that God asks his people to do something that he doesn't do himself. The only thing that God won't do is repent because he's never sinned, right? But for everything else that he asks his people to do, love one another, give to one another, have hands on people and heal, it, he, he does that. But also in the leaving of a place for the sake of the gospel and not coming back until it's done. Jesus did that. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the father and there's this really amazing thing that he says in John 17, verse four and five, it says he's he's talking to the father, says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus, in having this great plan of the gospel, knowing that there's people that not only need to hear it, he's got to go do the gospel. He is the gospel. This said that Jesus shared glory with the Father before the world ever existed. He was in the greatest sanctuary that you and I could ever imagine it. I mean, this is a great, beautiful place. People love this place for weddings, for getting together on a Sunday morning. It's beautiful, right? Man, think about the throne room of heaven. That's a sanctuary, huh? And the father, it was his plan and command and by his authority, we know from scripture to have Jesus go from that place, take on flesh, live and die and resurrect. And in John 17, it says, Father, I have accomplished the work here on earth that you gave me to do. And now I'm coming back. I'm returning to that place, but he's not talking about place. What is he talking about? I'm coming back to be in community with you. See, the challenge wasn't to stop being the people of the church. That wasn't the challenge. The challenge was to stop being about a place, stop being comfortable, to stop being cozy and, and afraid. That's why I was challenged. You know what? It is. It's an easy thing for me to come and greet you on a Sunday morning and to drink coffee with you and to sit on a cushy pew and to to preach a sermon everybody likes and everybody nods and to go. That's easy. 
it's difficult when God looks at Jason and says, you've not been doing what I've asked you to do. You have not been sharing the gospel that I asked you to share. We talk in the church, and I preach from the pulpit something called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. Most of you could probably quote this by heart. It says in verse 18, all authority, this is Jesus speaking, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That was Jesus' command. Go make disciples. Now, one of the things that was asked of me is, um, Jason, you preach all the time about grace. This is not about works. You're not earning. It's not a checklist. And I mean, I will be the first to say that is absolutely right. It is grace, not works. This is not us going out to to evangelize and tell somebody the Bible for a challenge so we can come back to God and say, I checked it off a list. However, that's because we're not earning our salvation. Once we are saved, once we are God's people, we are expected to do things, not because we're earning of his love, but because now we're owned by him. We're his people. That pronoun means we're owned by him, his people. And so he not only commands there and often it's, it's it talks about people will refer only to that first part. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He then says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that he just said the commandment was to go and make disciples. Baptizing in the name. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So it's not about works, but we do have something that we've been told to do. If you could imagine a farmer. Who has workers, and I want you to just put this into a business sense, this is, you know. Any business, this is this is this is the way you would run it, but you imagine a farmer who has workers, right? And every day the workers come into the building and they they get their charge. To go tend. To go do what they've been told to. So they go out every day. And they go out in the fields. And instead of scattering the seed like they're supposed to. And instead of bringing in whatever harvest has been made available. They go out in the fields. And every day they're going to the fair. And they're going to their job. And they're going to school. And they're doing that. But they're never scattering seed. They're just fishing. Singing songs. Whatever. They're never bringing back harvest. Day after day, this is happening. And the farmer sends them out. And day after day, they've, they've not scattered seed and there's, there's not coming in harvest. What would the farmer then do? Fire them. Is it not his farm? Has he not said, I expect you to scatter seed? When he at one time say, if you don't do what I've asked you to do, you're not coming back to work here. Do you work here? Are you a part of this? And so Jesus says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, commanding them to do everything that I've asked them to do. But I love how he finishes that. If we ended there, we'd miss it all. Because at the end of that passage, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. He didn't say, I'll meet you in the building. 
He didn't say, I'd meet you at a time. He said, I'll be there all the time and I'm going to be with you. We love that out of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I came to Sunday school. No, because thou art with me. It's God with us. And so when we as his people leave this place, we didn't leave church. The church left the building. The church is going to go share. We're going to share. And we are the church because we have been changed. And by Jesus, we have been asked to go share. My job is to stir you up in that. God's job is to stir me up in that. And it's a difficult thing to hear. Do you know that as a result of Jesus coming down hard on the Jews because of their place of worship, that was one of the charges against him. Jesus said in John chapter two, destroy this temple. I'll rebuild it in three days. So later on, when he was on trial, they had people come and they didn't even get that account right. They said, this man said he's going to destroy the temple. Then he's going to rebuild it in three days. We want to kill him. And you know what? They killed him because they were afraid of Jesus taking them out of the building, robbing them of what they have created. They loved going there. They didn't want Jesus to ruin it. And so instead they try to ruin him. They killed him. You know, what I love they killed him. and He died for you and he died for me. And that was the great plan. And then three days later, he resurrected from the dead. He did raise up that temple. He was talking about his body. And then he was with his people. Talking to them about a kingdom that's not constrained by buildings, not constrained by schedules. It is his people who live in his domain and he's the king. It's his kingdom. And so he tells the disciples in Acts chapter one. Wait in Jerusalem until you've gotten power from on high. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the world. That again is the plan. You're going to go make disciples, go scatter seed. That's what we're doing here. When you love, you're scattering seed. When you help with the food pantry, you're scattering seed. And when you're out there, the word of the gospel's got to come. Somebody at some point in your life told you. Amen is right. I am so thankful that week after week, day after day, my parents were putting seed in me. But there was others along the way, too, who were not only loving with me, but sharing the gospel with me. Because that was their charge. They loved Jesus so much they were telling me. The very first person who was killed who was a Christian, his name was Stephen. Stephen stood there and he gave a sermon to people who said they loved God. They had, they had gone to the temple. They had read the scriptures. They prayed. They did all those things. And Stephen, in his sermon... This is what he ends with. But it was Solomon who built a house for him, for God. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven's my throne and earth's my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Stephen finishes up his sermon by saying, you love this place too much. And so not only for that, did they kill Jesus? The very first Christian martyr was killed because he told them, you love the place too much. It's about him and it's about his people. 
And as a result of Stephen dying, persecution broke out in Jerusalem and it was so bad in there that it says this church was scattered out from that place and they were no longer welcome there. And they had to go be witnesses. They couldn't stay in the place. They were forced to go out and share. They couldn't even come back. And that presses Jason. Am I willing to die for this message? I'll tell you what, I'm willing to die for what I said that Wednesday. Take a bullet for that. Because I love Jesus too much. And you know, one of the truth, if you think I'm mad at you. or I'm angry, I'm not. I love you too much not to say it. I love you too much. Through all this, you may think Jason's lost his mind. I don't, my wife probably wouldn't even argue that. Gosh, I love you too much. To keep saying, let's keep coming here and then go out the doors and not do what we've been told to do. And I hope you love me too much to let me do the same thing. It's like loving somebody too much to let them get in their car and drive drunk. And so my commitment to you is this. One, I want to make sure you understand the challenge that was not for everybody. If you took that challenge, that was for you. If you didn't, it wasn't. Okay, it was voluntary. I know there was misunderstanding. You know how I know? One of my kids that night was like, Dad, I'm scared. You know what? It became a great opportunity to, to reinforce the fact I need to be more clear and to lead my children in this. And so I know that there needs to be clarity and I want to talk to each and every one of you who would have more questions and we may have disagreement. I'm okay with that. But I love you too much to walk away. And I love you too much to not do something. My request of you is this. I heard from one man who was willing to talk to me and a group of deacons I pretty much think was kind of forced to go talk to me. If you have a problem, please come talk to me. I want to talk to you. That's another one of the things Jesus said in Matthew 18. Go talk with one another. I'm tired of people talking about me. I want you to talk to me. My commitment to you is this. I'm going to continue to pastor you towards Jesus. As long as he has me to do that. And in evangelism, one of the things that has come out of this is just a recognition that I probably have not trained you well enough in evangelism. It's a good learning lesson for me. Pray for me that I would know how to train up. That. Pray that I would know how to train up my children in that. I know that there's parents scared. How, how do I what do I tell my kids about this? Parents, it's your job to train your kids to be the missionary. It's my job to help you train them. And I'm committed to that. Bible diggers, we're going to do that. At your house, we're going to do that. I'm committed. If you've made that vow and you're like, now I don't even know what to do. I'm so scared. Part of my commitment as pastor, call me up. I will go with you wherever you want to go. I'll do the talking. You do the praying. We're going to go share about Jesus. That's what we are commanded to do. If you want to buy my coffee there, you're more than welcome. Man.
please don't think that I don't like you. I love you. But you know what? My love does not even compare to the amount of love that Jesus has for you. And the amount that he has for the people that are unreached in Johnston County. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I love to walk in this door. Not because I've arrived at the church, but because I get to greet the church. I get to teach the church, preach to the church, train up to the church, build up the church. And you know what one of my favorite parts is? Sending the church. One of the deacons asked me, well, why don't we just tell the people, go share. Why do we have to have a challenge? Why do we have to have a challenge? The answer to that is, we do that every week. At the end of every service, I give the charge to go share. And we're going to continue to do that because that's what Jesus has asked us to do. So, I don't even know how to end this other than to say I love you, but I know that the Lord loves you. And my prayer in this is that we grow. I understand and I've heard that there's people who have said that they're going to leave the church over this. And I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. I love y'all. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. But it is kind of ironic that you'd say, because you told people not to come to the church, I'm leaving the church. My request of you is that if you're going to go, come talk to me. I just want to talk to you. I don't know where you're going to go. I will tell you this. I'm checking my heart and making sure I'm not crazy. I talked to a lot of the Advent Christian pastors in this area. As I shared the challenge with them and, and, and asked them, Am I, did I do something wrong? They said, now, now what's the problem? The pastors thought, we need to go. The challenge was okay. And so I, I just want you to know that I feel clear before the Lord. You, you put yourself before the Lord and say, where do you want me? Help, help me to understand. Help me to love Brother Jason, whatever I need to do. But I feel as to the best of my ability, I've explained so that there's not misunderstanding as to what was said, the challenge that was put forth. But greater than that, the call that God has put upon us as the people of God to go share the good news of Jesus. And I hope you'll join me on that front. I want to make myself available even today. After the service, I'm going to go sit up in the fellowship hall if anybody wants to come talk to me. It's not going to be a debate. It's not going to be anything. If you've got questions, I just want to talk. That's all. If there's leftover coffee, we'll drink some of that, whatever. But if you want to set up a time, you and I are a group of people to go out and share the gospel somehow, pray for Benson, pray for Four Oaks, we'll set that up. I just want to be available to you, however that is. Um, love you all. And uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Ronald if you please close in a word of prayer. And I'll greet those who want to greet. And then I'll meet whoever wants to meet out in the fellowship hall.